The Roles We Play is written and performed by me, Leanna Bertrand, and brought to you by Anchor. Episode 6. Speak the Speech, I Pray You. I'm taking an Uber because the subway scares me. Yeah, I know, I've been here almost a month now, learn to take the subway, you baby. You forget that I have zero faith in myself, and, in this case, to remember where to get off and not end up in some random place. Lucy Sybil seems to be in better shape riding in a car this time around, though, although she still keeps her eyes on the outside world rushing by. I never pegged her as the type to get carsick, but I guess it makes sense. Maybe it's a good thing that we're not taking the subway, actually. All that abrupt movement probably would have made things worse. I'm currently cuddled into her side as our driveway navigates through the busy streets of a relatively clear late afternoon. She has kidnapped my fur coat yet again, and I've decided to just let her have it. It looks better on her anyway. I'm grateful for the help from Lucy and Finn. I mean, they're both clearly booking, so they must know something I don't. We were all friends at one point. I still am with Finn, I think. And Lucy and I are, well, still in the gray. She didn't have to dance with me like that. But I was the one who ran away, and they're still hanging out with me. If they want to put what I did behind them, shouldn't I? Maybe that's why Finn swapped partners with me, to force Lucy and I into some sort of contact, and probably to get to know Lucy Sybil a little more. Lucy Sybil did say they'd talked about more than just what our relationship was. She learned a little more about him, and he learned about her. Meanwhile, Lucy and I had a waltz that seemed to last forever. Well, if we're gonna do the whole Emmeline didn't cut everyone out of her life and run off to another state thing, then I guess I can do that. But I can't pretend what happened with Lucy didn't happen at all. We're filming with Finn's equipment. Lucy had taken one look at my phone ring light setup I'd sent the group chat Finn had started last night and told me it was a good start if you were filming alone. Finn had then sent his setup, which included a backdrop, a bunch of extra lights, and a camera that I'm convinced he must have robbed a bank to get. It was obvious what we were going to use from there. I'd spent the rest of the night looking at monologues with Lucy Sybil until we found one that sort of worked. Seriously, it's so hard to find monologues for 20-something women that don't center around sex or men in general. Believe it or not, I don't want to talk about how I fucked your brother, but Sandy, we're still BFFFLs, right? Ugh. Please. I'm a sapphic scandal of the highest order. That would never happen. The Uber drops us off in front of Finn's apartment. Lucy Sybil and I step out. She clings to me for a moment while she studies herself. <sighs> Aw, oh, my poor carsick baby. Once I'm sure she isn't going to expel her breakfast onto the sidewalk, we climb the stairs up to the third floor and knock. Lucy answers the door. Finn, they're here! She yells behind her. I'm still setting up the camera! He yells back. Lucy gestures for us to step inside. We hang our coats up on the rack by the door. I find Finn tinkering with his camera in his room, which looks more like a studio than a place to sleep. He even has foam padding on the walls, which I guess will help with the sound. 
I think there's something about keeping your work and sleep spaces separate, I say. Finn gives me a look. This is coming from someone I know for a fact slept with her laptop for her entire college career, he says. That's why I'm telling you it's a bad idea, I say. All you'll be thinking about is work. I normally keep the equipment in the closet, he says. I move it in here when I want to record stuff. The only thing that stays is the foam, don't worry. And the foam helps when the neighbors are especially loud. I wrinkle my nose, knowing exactly what he means. Gross. Look, I'm not one to deny anyone their fun, Finn says, taking a lavalier out of its box. I just prefer to be asleep so I don't have to hear it. How are you affording this place by yourself? I ask. Something crosses his face, but it's gone as soon as it comes. I'm not, he says. I have a roommate who's planning on staying in the living room, but he's not ready to come over yet. He's still making payments, though, which is weird since he's not even here, but I'm not complaining. He might get a third just to make things a little easier. He offers me the love. Clip that to your shirt. What about you? Does Lucy Sibyl pay half? I take the mic from him and adjust it so it'll pick up my voice properly. Uh, she doesn't pay anything. She doesn't have money. Finn frowns. What? So she just lives rent-free? That can't be good for you, financially, at least. It's a little bit of a squeeze, but I saved a lot before I came here, so it's not really a problem, I say. I don't really mind. Finn tucks the mic pack into my pocket. No offense, Emmy, but that's a little weird, he says. She might be using you. What? I mean, I tried talking to her, he goes on. She doesn't have a last name, she doesn't work anywhere, no social media at all. Okay, not everyone has social media, I protest, but he keeps going. I looked her up, Emmy. There's nothing. No record of existence at all. Oh, God. Things can be ruined very quickly if I don't come up with something. Look, I appreciate the concern, Finn, but she's not using me. She's entitled to her own privacy. She's a perfect copy of Lucy, Finn insists. Well, almost, but give her a haircut and they're basically the same. Where are you going with this? I ask. What's really going on here, Emmy? He asks. You can tell me. I know I could. I could tell him that I summoned a demon to give me everything I've ever wanted in exchange for a soul I'm not even really sure exists. I could tell him that said demon is the embodiment of my need to be needed. I could tell him that I'm still running away even now. I could tell him because he's the only real friend I have. But because he's the only real friend I have, that also means that he cares about me, a lot. And with the best of intentions, he'd probably check me into a mental facility in an attempt to get me help, because the whole thing sounds insane. Lying as usual, it is, then. She's my girlfriend, I tell him. And she just hasn't found a job yet. She would never try to hurt me or take advantage of me. Finn still doesn't look convinced. I promise if things go wrong, you'll be the first to know, I say. Finn shakes his head. 
You said that last time, and then you shut everyone out, he says. I wince at his wounded expression. I should hug him. I start to, but he pushes me back. Eh, not with the mic on. The wires are sensitive. It's nice that you tried to initiate, though. I'll hug you when we're done, then, I say. Listen, Finn, I didn't tell you because it was about Lucy, and I didn't want to ruin your friendship with her just because something happened between us. Finn goes back to adjusting the lights in the camera. I figured something was up with you two, he says. And I guess I understand that, but I can make my own decisions. I'm not going to instantly hate one of you without getting both sides. He switches the hanging lights on. But what happened that was so bad, he asks. Lucy won't talk about it. Said it wasn't her place. At that moment, the door opens, and I know that the conversation is over. For now. Lucy, Sybil, and Lucy come in, both carrying chairs. Lucy has a comb between her teeth, presumably to fix my hair when all this moose stops doing its job. She and Lucy, Sybil start to set up a watch space. I'll tell him. Someone should know, and carrying it by myself hasn't been fun. I didn't want to dump it on him, but hiding it clearly bothers him more than what knowing might do. Later, I say, and that's a real later this time. I'm holding you to that, Finn says. We ready to shoot this? Lucy asks. Yeah, we're ready, I say. Then get in front of the camera, Star, Lucy says. <laughs> I smile at that. Okay, here goes. Hours later, and we're still at it. My confidence is draining more and more every passing second. I'm sure Finn is sick of looking at my face from behind the camera for so long. I think we might be overworking it, Lucy says, combing my hair back for about the millionth time today. I don't get it, I groan. I'm fine for the first half, but for some reason I just disconnect towards the end every time. Lucy Sybil gets up from her chair and rubs at my shoulders. I sink into the touch, despite Lucy's quiet tisk of disapproval as she goes back in with a comb. You're pushing, she says simply, applying a little more pressure. How do you know that? I ask. I know you, Lucy Sybil says. She's right, Finn says. The first half is probably easier because you really mean it. He switches the camera off. So, you need to figure out what the second half means to you. Lucy finishes fixing my hair. What if you tried delivering it to one of us? I'm supposed to deliver it to the camera, I remind her. Yeah, I know, she says. But you're still pretending the camera is a person. There are three people you can practice on right now, and then we can try filming again. It's worth a shot. I've never had other people to practice on before. And, considering what this monologue's about... Can I practice on you, then? I ask. Lucy, Sybil, and Finn can watch for feedback. Lucy looks surprised that I've chosen her, but if I want this to work, then I need to remember how it feels to say this to her. Use the pain and all that. Sure, she says. She grabs one of the chairs and sits in front of me while Lucy, Sybil, joins Finn on the other side of the camera. Whenever you're ready. I find myself slightly regretting my decision as I fully face Lucy. Maybe I should have picked Finn. Finn would have been easier. 
but this isn't an easy monologue. I take a deep breath to ground myself and force myself to look into Lucy's eyes. I begin the speech. Why can't you see how wonderful you are? Lucy stiffens at my words but holds my gaze. I hold on to the reaction, using it. You tell me that I am starlight, the breath of the cosmos, the beauty of Aurora Borealis, but if I am so high, where does that place you? Your words are wonderful, but they push us so far apart. I would rather be the blanket you reach for to find comfort. The cup of coffee to pick you up during a dreary day in the office. The song that makes you smile and celebrates with you when you overcome something you thought impossible. This is it. The part that I can never get. But Lucy is shaking now, fighting to stay with me. Use it. Hold it. I continue. I want to be something near. Something you can keep close come storms or sunlight. I see your scars and I adore you more for them. I forgive you for all the world blames you for. Because I know your heart is sorry. You are not the monster you think you are. I couldn't fall in love with a monster. <laughs> yes. I love you. That's it. The last line. Lucy lingers a moment longer, then gets up and leaves the room. It's silent for a moment. Then Finn jumps up. Yes! He says excitedly. That was it! Now do that into the camera. I look over to find Lucy Sybil beaming at me, and my heart warms. Finn switches on the camera. Okay, go. What? Come on, stay in the headspace. Camera's rolling. I'll edit the other stuff out later. So, I recenter myself and take it from the top again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Roles We Play. We'll be back next week. See you then. <laughs>